Oh, good morning, everyone. Great to see you this morning. You may have noticed that, um, that we're missing a few of our women this morning. And uh, a number of them are away, enjoying a weekend together and looking to seek and enjoy more of God together. I thought it'd just be good to pray for them, wouldn't it? Why don't we just stand to our feet again for a moment? Let's pray for them. Father, we thank you for who you are, Lord God. We thank you for the way that you're already meeting with us here this morning, Lord God. And Lord, we want to thank you for the way that you've been meeting with uh, many of our women, Lord God, in this weekend. And we pray, Lord, would you continue to do that today, Lord God. We pray right now, whatever they're up to, wherever they are right now, we pray, come and meet with them in power, Lord God. We pray for each and every one of them that they would have a story and a testimony coming home of all that you've done in their lives. Lord God, we pray, bless them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. We got a new microphone this morning, and I put it on, and I was like, no, I really can't do that. It would look like an exercise class um, if I had it on. But No, I'm joking. Uh, I hope you can bear with me using this mic instead. Um, it is good to be together, isn't it? It's good just to hear from God, hear his voice using different people to speak in different ways. I love it. And uh, it's great just to worship and lift our eyes up to our Savior and our King Jesus. This morning I want to preach on a subject that I believe is essential alongside the gospel message. I believe we can see, uh, I believe we can see through the Bible that it goes hand in hand with the gospel message, and, and it's right at the center of God's heart. For many in this room, what we look at today might not be something that we as individuals might have given much thought to or effort towards in the past. And I'd like this morning to encourage us that what we do together, both as individuals and what we do together as a church in our ministries, it's got to be both. It's in this area that is a huge, of, in huge importance uh, for us as being fruitful as a church. This morning I want to look at remembering the poor. Two weeks ago, Mark Bottomley uh, uh, preached to us a great message on faith and uh, that we have this truth revealed to us that we have been justified, that we've been made right with God through faith in Jesus. And this morning, I want to dip back into the same passage. You might be thinking, oh no, Nathan's up again. He's going backwards again. And uh, I apologize for that. Um, I'm learning to make a bit of a habit of it. Um, but I want to dip back in again to the same verses again. And there was, something, there was this verse in there which we could have easily just skipped over. And I just want to come back to it because it is so important. Let's read Galatians and chapter 2 and verse 1 to 10. Then after 14 years, I, this is Paul, Paul went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race, my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus, to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were, uh, whatever they were makes... No difference to me. Whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, 
the very thing I had been eager to do all along. Let's read that verse again. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. Let me pray. We welcome you, Spirit of God. Thank you for all that you're doing already. And we say, come and speak. Come and speak to us. Come and bring your word to life, Lord God. Come and bring your word. Let let us open our eyes, Lord, and, and see you for who you are. Let us come and gain something of your heart afresh this morning, Lord God. Each and every one of us. We need you. Holy Spirit, come and speak. Come and unlock our hearts this morning, Lord God. Come and break chains this morning. Come and bring freedom this morning, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I won't repeat what Mark preached on two weeks ago. He did a great job. If, uh, if you weren't around, I would really encourage you to listen to it. It was a fantastic uh, sermon, very encouraging, full of truth. I loved it. It was very helpful for me. But just to give some context here, Paul in chapter 1 of Galatians has already made it clear that this revelation and understanding of Jesus that had come to him, it came through God. It was God who revealed himself to him. It was God who saved him, God who revealed himself, and God who had spoken to him. And in these verses that we've just read, he goes on to say that uh, many years later, after that Damascus Road experience of meeting with Jesus, many years later, Paul spends time with the apostles, those who had spent their lives uh, following Jesus around, had spent three years of their lives living with him under his teaching and leadership. It gets a little bit harder when you've only suddenly got one hand. I'm just going to put the Bible down here for a moment. These apostles had been entrusted with a message to pass on. They'd spent time with Jesus. They would got to know him. They'd followed him everywhere that he went. They'd listened to every word he said. And they'd been entrusted with this message to pass on. Entrusted with a commission from Jesus to go into all the world and make disciples to baptize all who believe in Jesus. And that's what we did last week. It was great, wasn't it? Great to baptize four people. Great to hear stories of people who have turned and followed Jesus and want to obey him in everything that they do as well. And so Paul spends time with these apostles and they compare their messages. This group had spent three years living amongst Jesus, following him everywhere that they go, Paul had had this revelation just on this road to Damascus, on the road to persecuting Christians. He has this revelation. that They compare their messages. They want to check that Paul isn't preaching something contradictory or a different gospel from them. And far from it, they say Paul is one of us. They give him the right hand of fellowship. Now, when I was growing up, I always used to think this was a slap. I was like, oh, the right hand of fellowship... Me and my mates used to think, oh, it's it's a slap. That's what it is. How wrong I was. This is more, it's it's, it's a handshake, but it's so so much more than a handshake. It's a moment of saying, we accept you. You're one of us. Paul was given this right hand of fellowship. They agreed. Paul had been called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. And it was the same gospel that they had as well. It was the same gospel message But they had callings to preach it to different people, different groups of people. As a church, we're part of a family of churches called Commission. And I love that we are Commission. Do you hear that in in this room? We are Commission. It's not like out there somewhere. We are. Us people right here in this room. And I love it because we're called to Alton and the villages around. We're here in this place because God's called us to be here. We've been called here with the gospel, and we share similar values with the rest of commission. But our friends up the road in Winchester, they're called to Winchester. They're called to Winchester and the surrounding villages and towns of Winchester. Same gospel, same values, but they're called there. We're called here. Our friends out in India, part of commission, 
They're called to share the gospel in India. They're called to share the gospel to their villages, to their towns, to their cities. Same gospel, same values, but we're called to different places. And this was the same with the apostles and now with Paul as well. The apostles and the Paul spent time together and they hear all that Paul is saying and they say, yep, tick, 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 yep, you've got that, tick, yep, you've learned that, tick. Only one thing, Paul. Remember the poor. Well, for Paul, he's thinking, well, this is great. Because that's the one thing I really wanted to remember anyway. This is the one thing I felt called to do all along. The one thing the apostles wanted to emphasize to Paul. The one thing of all the gospel message that could so easily be forgotten. The thing from their years spent following Jesus, looking at Jesus, seeing what is his heart really like. And I say, Paul... Whatever you do, remember the poor. Remember the poor. Don't forget, Paul, as you preach this gospel of grace, as you tell people of the forgiveness of sins, as you heal the sick and as you build up local churches, as you bring people into the spirit, as you encourage spiritual gifts amongst people. In all that, don't forget, remember the poor. They are massive in Jesus' heart. The poor were so important to Jesus. They took so much of Jesus' time and efforts. He loved the poor wherever he went dearly. I wonder whether I spent the next three years following you around in everything that you did. One, you'd probably be like, this is pretty annoying, Nathan, get away from me. But I wonder if I followed you around for three years, what would be the one most important thing about your life that I would discover? What would be the thing that you spent all your time doing or all your time thinking about or where your money went? What what would it be? Would it be your family? Would your family be the thing that I come away with? Would it be money? Would it be sports? Would it be your garden? Just love to keep that garden pristine and well, everything in order. Would it be your house, your holidays, your food, your faithfulness over many years to one particular thing? What one thing would I find is of greatest importance to you? I wonder what you'd find of the greatest importance to me too. Just put that in there. Scary thought. The apostles found with Jesus, it was the poor. He loved the poor. And so this morning, I want to focus on the following three areas. Firstly, God's heart for the poor. Secondly, who are the poor? And thirdly, how do I live this out? Firstly then, God's heart for the poor. Jesus began his ministry on earth, having been baptized and spent time in the wilderness, being tempted and uh, overcoming Satan. He then started to teach. And as he stood up in the synagogue in Luke 4, he quoted this from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus starts out his ministry to reveal God's grace and love to the world by declaring he's come to preach good news to the poor. The gospel is good news for the poor. Hallelujah. This church should be good news for the poor. Wherever we go, wherever we are, we should be good news for the poor amongst us. When you read through the accounts of Jesus' life in the Bible, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are filled with, filled with Jesus having encounters with the poor. Whether it's Jesus healing the woman who's been bleeding and had nothing left, no possessions left because she spent it all on doctors, or whether it's Jesus recognizing the worship of a poor uh, woman who sacrificially gives two coins, all that she has, or the parable of the banquet 
where the servant is ordered to go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. A parable explaining God's kingdom growing and the poor being invited in. Or whether it's the multiple stories of Jesus healing the sick, his compassion on the crowds, the feeding of those without food. That's just to mention just a few stories. One of those times, Jesus is speaking to the crowds and he says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. He went on to teach many other things during that day, but he started with the poor. He started with the poor, the hurting, the broken, the vulnerable. In the Old Testament too, there are many instances where God speaks of caring for and loving the poor. Here's just one verse. Leviticus 19, verse 10. You didn't think you were going to get to Leviticus this morning, did you? Leviticus 19, verse 10. You must not strip your vineyard bare or gather its fallen grapes. Leave them for the poor and the foreign resident. I am the Lord your God. This is the instruction. Right there in the Old Testament. Care for the poor. Think about what you have. Leave some for the poor and needy around you. A number of years ago, I was, uh, I just finished the, the week. I was a little bit tired. And uh, I was going to meet a friend up in London. And uh, so uh, I went and got a McDonald's. What do you do when you're hungry? You get a McDonald's. It's terrible, but it tastes kind of good sometimes as well. And uh, I got this McDonald's. And I was tired, I was a little bit burnt out, and I was kind of fed up with people, if I'm honest. And I got on this train, and the train was empty, apart from this one lady down the end of the train. I was like, great, empty carriage. And I, so I sat down the opposite end of the train to this lady. I know you're thinking, Nathan, I can't believe you do that. I did, I did it. And uh, what happened is this, as the train started to move, this lady stood up, and she came, and she came and sat opposite me. I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm so tired. I'm fed up. Like, I don't really want to be around people. Why is she come and sat opposite me? And uh, I'm, so I'm there eating my McDonald's, and, um, and she's there, and she's got this bag with her. And she says, can I give you this food? I was like, I- I'm fine. Thank you. I've actually just got a McDonald's. I'm on, I'm on my way up to London. I'm, I'm fine. Thank you very much, though. She's like, well, uh, can I give you this food? I'm not going to eat it. Can I give you this food? I was like, okay, well, what, what, huh? And uh, kind of, uh, I'm just kind of a little bit stunned. And, and I start to ask her, okay, well, why have you got this bag of food? And she says, well, I've been kicked out by my husband, and I don't have anywhere to go. And so I went to, she was this Muslim lady, I went to a mosque, and they gave me all this food, but I don't like it. Hey, well, I'm really sorry about that. Thank you for the offer, but I'm really, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. And uh, she says, I don't know where to go now. I, I mean, I, I don't know where to go. And so I was able just to share with her just in a moment, well, at the end of this stop, here are some churches that you can go to. They will help you. But then we carried on talking. And uh, she told me more of her story, which I won't go into now. But she came across and she said, I've been, I've been broken and, and hit. And, uh, and as a result, I'm partially blind in one of my eyes. I was like, well, listen, I don't have any food apart from this McDonald's, which I've kind of already eaten. Sorry about that. And I said, but what I do know is that my God, my Jesus, heals. And I can offer to pray for you. And she said, yeah, I'd like that. So I prayed for this lady on, on the train, still kind of tired and still kind of like, oh, Lord, why did you bring this lady to me? I just wasn't ready for this. And I prayed for her, and I said, how's your sight? How's it feel? She's like, it's got better. I'm like, this is amazing. She said, please, will you still take the food? I was like, oh, I, really, I don't need this food. I said, thank you, I will take the food. And I took the food, and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. It was a bag full of sandwiches and, and different things. And uh, I prayed, and I said, Lord, I don't know why you've given me this food. I don't know what you want me to do with it. I'm going up to London. I don't want to carry it around with me everywhere I go. <laughs> Thank you for what you've already been doing in this lady's life. Help me now know what to do with this food. As I w- walked straight out of the station, there was this person going, can you give me any food? 
I was able to just go, yes. <laughs> it was amazing. For me, it was a moment where I just suddenly knew God used me in a way which I never expected. In my selfishness, I was being so selfish that evening, I really was. In my selfishness, God wanted to express something of his heart for the poor through me. His heart for this woman who'd been broken and been bruised by this man, and she had nowhere to go. God wanted me to express something of his heart and his love for her. But then he also had someone else where he had gave me this food to then drop off somewhere else. It was, it was quite incredible. God's heart is for the poor, and he wants to use us. Even at our most selfish moments, he wants to use us. Even at the time where we're most tired, and most stressed, and most busy, and we don't have time for anyone, God wants to use us. Jesus had compassion on the crowds, even in his tiredness and exhaustion, and he fed them and spent time with them. She might be asking, well, who are the poor? You might not be asking that, but who are the poor? As we understand that God loves the poor and wants us to do the same, it begs the question, who are the poor? There's the obvious of the financially poor. But if you look at the many definitions in the dictionary of the poor, one stood out to me. said this, deficient or lacking in something specified. In need, lacking something. The poor are those, yes, who have little or no finance, those without homes or food, but it is also those who are lacking in and in need of a voice. The children aborted year after year without a say. The orphans and those who can't speak for themselves. Those with disabilities or mental health problems. Those with illnesses and diseases. Those who are mourning, have lost family, friends, parents, siblings, children. The poor are the vulnerable. Those without a voice. Old and young and everywhere in between. But they are also the spiritually poor those without Jesus, those who are desperately in need of rescuing and saving from the grips of hell. The poor are the hundreds and hundreds that we live next door to and work with every day, not knowing where they're heading and that there's an answer to their spiritual poverty. I heard someone say recently of Westerners, you don't tell people about Jesus because you don't care about their eternal state. You don't tell people about Jesus because you don't care about their eternal state. That cut me to the heart. The poor are the broken, the vulnerable, the physically in need, but they are also the lost, those in spiritual poverty. We see in Jesus a man who loved the poor, who wasn't afraid of the poor, wasn't afraid to be associated with or draw near to them. I don't believe Jesus was ever trying to build a middle, a middle class church. His heart is for the poor, that we would share what we have with those without. One John three, sixteen to eighteen says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. How do I live this out? How do we live this out together? There are many ways in which we can live out God's heart for the poor, and it starts in prayer. It starts by saying, God, would you come and change my heart? Would you come and do something in me? Would you give me your heart for the lost, for the poor? And it starts right there, asking God to change us. My heart needs changing. If we're not sacrificially living to serve and love the poor, I'm guessing all of our hearts need to change. 
And God is so gracious with us as he waits to be given access to our hearts. But he wants to change us. He wants to change our hearts. He wants to go to work uh, in a gracious and loving way on our hearts. This morning, I want to give just one example of how we can live this out and how some people amongst us are choosing to live this out. Earlier this week, I spent uh, an evening with Paul and Liz Stanton, and I'm so grateful for the time that we had together. I just, I was so inspired by listening to them and hearing from them and just learning from them. And um, I'm really excited about now welcoming them up, and uh, we're just going to spend some time getting to know them a little better. So where are Paul and Liz? Excellent. Come and join us. Can we give Paul and Liz a big welcome? There we go. You didn't even have to stand up for the whole morning, hey? I'll give one of them to you. Um, so I spent an evening this week um, with Paul and Liz. I just want to encourage you. In fact, Paul, can we turn you around? Oh, both of you around a little bit so people can see your lovely faces. Um, I just want to encourage you, as they speak, just grab something of their heart and grab something of the heart of what God's done in them and is currently still doing uh, in them. Um, can you just firstly, can you just start by just telling us about yourselves Family, how long you've been in a part of Harvest Church, things like that. Well, I'm Paul. I'm Paul. And this is Liz, my wife, just to let you know. <laughs> We've got four children uh, two boys, two girls, and they have now uh, flown the nest. And, um, well, we've got one son who is in uh, Canada. And uh, we haven't seen him for 14 months, and we saw him a couple of weeks ago, which was fantastic. Um, for a job, I'm a full-time postman, um, so um, I don't know some of you, but I do know where you live. <laughs> uh, Liz is uh, a retired senior sister uh, in Basingstoke at the neonatal unit. Now she's full-time foster carer. <laughs> oh yes, how long have we been Harvest Church? Well, trying to calculate that. Uh, Thirty plus years, I think. Brilliant. Um, so, for as you just mentioned, you're foster carer. For the past four years, now you've been doing that as a couple. Can you just tell us how that all started? Take us back in a journey of of how that all started for you. It's quite a long story, so we've tried to condense it because um, it started quite a long time ago. And so basically, sorry, basically um, um, we really have found a heart for um, fostering for a, a really long time. Um, and within my job um, as a paediatric nurse and then as a neonatal nurse, um, I came across a lot of children that were fostered um, and I was involved in helping those um, some of the babies go into foster care um, so I've seen it kind of from the health side of things and worked with social workers worked with, work with safeguarding uh, team within the hospital setting and um, that all kind of inspired um, myself to really want to um, take some of these babies home is, is basically what I said <laughs> um, and yeah and then yeah. do you want to carry on? no? okay no. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah so I have been working with vulnerable families for a number of years um, and then um, we and we've been inquiring about uh, fostering over the years and then when I was um realizing that I could actually retire within a couple of years, we started inquiring really um, more uh, in depth, yes, and um, went to a few meetings, um, got lots of information, 
and uh, just really started thinking about it. Um, and then we had to make that big phone call. The big phone call. That's the phone call we've got to make to set the ball rolling. Um, to be honest, I was a little hesitant, um, mainly because I, I just didn't feel I had the experience um, with social share, social care people and etc. like that. Um, but when I actually had to uh, sit down and write it all down, which I had to do later on, I discovered that throughout my Christian life and um, I've been involved with children, Sunday school, etc., 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 and I'd also um, tried to become a primary school teacher, which I felt the uh, Lord was in, and it didn't work out for me. And I didn't really understand why. Uh, I got it wrong or something like that. But during that time, I didn't know it then, but I actually looked after a child who had very difficult behavior. Um, and all that, all what I did then, wasn't in vain. Um, it was, uh, you know, something which counted towards what I'm doing now. So any of you out there who um, do something for the Lord and it doesn't work out for you, um, it may come back later on <laughs> in something else. Um, but um, I read this book, Home for Good, Making a Difference for Children in Need. And that's when the Lord spoke to me. Um, there's 20, every 22 minutes, a child enters the care system. Um, there's great stuff in there, but that actually came out and hit me. And the Lord said, well, stop pro procrastinating about this. Just get on with it. <laughs> so he made the call. <laughs> every 22 minutes. Every 22 minutes. So yeah. That's what? This was... This was published in 2014, so it's yeah. possibly a lot more than that now. So during our meeting this morning, four or five children are going into care. Was that in this book alone? Um, I can't recall, but uh, every 22 minutes doesn't matter where it is, does it? Well, it means there's more in the book. <laughs> it probably is a lot more. Mm. There are 12,000 children in the UK need to be need of adoptive and foster parents in the UK. That's 12,000. That's great. In 2014. I remember just chatting this week. <coughs> excuse me. And uh, I think Paul just suddenly sharing, you know, the Lord saying, "You've got to do this." And just like a, a big moment for you in terms of going. I think just kind of going, "Wow, I've, I've got to obey." I've, God, you've got my heart in this. Um, can you just share, what, what have been some of the highlights of fostering? You've been doing it now for four years, had fostered now seven children, is that right? Seven plus. Seven plus. <laughs> um, so, some of, the, some of the highlights, we did try to write a few things down so that we wouldn't, um, you know, we'd tell you some good stuff. But, um, but basically, um, what we really... Um, our biggest highlight is seeing the children progress, isn't it? Um, so you see them come and, you know, um, then they start settling with you. Um, and then, um, you know, you see them kind of just blossom. Yeah. yeah. And um, we've, had, we've had some babies that have been withdrawing um, from drugs. And, you know, to see them come through and be smiley and happy and just, yeah, it's just great. It's really good. I think, Paul, you told me on, uh, on Tuesday, you said this is one of the most fulfilling things that you've ever done. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I've, I've done stuff in the church which has been great, but this is something else, really. <laughs> uh, yes, fulfilling. Um, it's a whole mixture of emotions, fulfilling. Um, you know, you, you're not always in control of everything. 
uh, thank goodness God is in control. And sometimes you just hang on to that. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, uh, I can't describe it. <laughs> Much we know here. Uh, just can't describe it. It's just absolutely fantastic thing to do. Uh, really enjoy it and fulfilling very much so. That's great. Can you just share something maybe then as well of just the difficulties? What have been the hardships? What's it kind of looked like day by day or week by week or year by year, however it works out? So some of the difficulties, um, we've had some children with some challenging uh, needs and, um, and some with behavioural needs as well. Um, so they've been quite challenging to us. Um, and we've learnt loads because of that. Um, the other big difficulty is saying goodbye when, when, uh, when they move on. Um, that's a real, a really hard thing to do, um, but we know that you know God. God's in that. God helps us with that, um, and it is like a bereavement when they go. So we're um, first we're short-term foster carers, um, not long-term foster carers. So obviously, if you're a long-term foster carer, you keep that child until they're grown and fed. They've left, <laughs> um, but because we're short term, we we look after the children until it's decided where they're going to live um, for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Uh, short term, we we uh, have to say goodbye quite often, <laughs> and, and as Liz said, it, it's very difficult um, when decision is finally made to where they go, uh, especially with babies, they can go very quickly and uh, it's sometimes very difficult to prepare yourself for that. Um, but the Lord's been good and I always try and focus on the child and what's the best for the child. Always. Um, uh, despite Can you just talk to us a little bit about how you recover as well? I mean, obviously it's hard to say goodbye, but how do you recover during that time as well? We do a lot of crying. <laughs> um, and um, we just do, uh, we just have a little bit of a break and, you know, maybe go away um, and do a few things, adult, adult things that you can't do with little kids around. Um, and um, and we you know we send out a message to various people that pray for us. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And you said as well in terms of they leave, they can sometimes leave quite quickly. You also you shared with me on Tuesday a story of just how one of them arrived very quickly and around your birthday I think it was Liz. Can you just tell us about that? It was yes that was that was quite funny. So we 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 were having a bit of a break. And um, we had, the children had arranged for us to go away for, for the weekend with them. Um, and we were on our way back on the motorway and we got the phone call to say there's a, there's a two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old, um, needs, needs placing by Friday. And Friday was my birthday and I was meant to be going to, um, down to Brighton to um, have an uh, afternoon tea with some of the children. Um, so I said, oh, you know, um, yes, we can, we can have this little one, um, uh, but could you make it Monday? Is there any way it could be Monday rather than, you know, let, let's have the weekend and, and you know, yeah. Um, I knew this, this little one was with another foster carer at the time, an emergency foster carer, and, um, but they were going on holiday on the Saturday, so no, we had to um, agree to Friday or not at all. So we said, okay, well, what about in the evening then? What about, you know, uh, Friday evening? And they said, yes, yes, let, you know, they can come Friday evening. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, um, yeah, come on sun uh, Friday evening, 
at six o'clock. Fine. You know, that's okay. And I suddenly thought, you know, I'm, I've just come home from work in the afternoon. I thought, I better get back in time. Otherwise, I'm on my own. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I thought about the course we've been on and all the people said, you know, oh, what do you do when they arrive at the door? And just going through my head over and over and over again. Um, and then I got a phone call from, I think it's from Liz, saying, uh, we're on our way back, we're recording the traffic jam. We're not quite sure when we're going to be back. Panic set in a little bit, thinking, what am I going to do? This poor child is going to be confronted by my ugly mug. <laughs> um, what, you know, what am I going to do? I mean, I had an idea, I'd just get some toys out, put them on the floor, etc., etc., etc. But I really wanted Liz there. <laughs> um, anyway, um, it was fast approaching six o'clock and Liz hadn't arrived. And I thought, Lord, give me strength. What am I going to do? I, then the phone call, I got a phone call from the child social worker saying, we're a bit delayed. Um, <laughs> we'll be along shortly. Anyway, to cut a long story short, um, the child arrived. Liz wasn't at home. Um, he came in, sat straight on the floor, started to play with some toys. Social worker said, oh, he seemed to make himself at home. Um, went out to the car and his belongings arrived in a um, black bin bag. Uh, and at that moment, Liz arrived at the door. Thank goodness. Praise the Lord, I said. Relief. <laughs> just um, as we come towards the end, can you just share something of how have you experienced God's heart for the poor uh, through this whole experience, really? When Nathan came around and asked this question, he said, I said, I don't know. I can't describe it. I just feel it. I felt God's heart for these kids. And when you know that, um, you count it a privilege to look after them. And you actually love them to bits. In one sense, I love them more than my own children. I mean, uh, <laughs> you got that. <laughs> I won't tell you. But, <laughs> but you do. Um, and you can sense God there <laughs> all the time. And that's what makes it so fulfilling as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, I would agree with that and just say, you know, how much of a privilege it is to share God's love with, with these little ones. Um, and, yeah, and we do, we do feel his heart for them, um, particularly in some of the situations that occur, you know, that they're in and the difficulties that, you know, they've been through. Yeah, we know that God is, is there for them and understands. Great. Just one final question then. If, if someone here this morning was thinking about fostering uh, or uh, adopting or something like that, what would you say to them this morning? Go for it. <laughs> yeah, just go for it. And, um, you know, just think, think about the right timing for you. Um, um, I mean, it, it, it took us a while. <laughs> We're old now. Um, to um, to uh, yeah, to be able to make that phone call, um, and that's because things weren't right. You know, the circumstances weren't right for us to have fostered earlier. Um, but some of you, you know, if you if you're young, you know, it's it's even better, um, and they can you know fit into your family. Um, but you have to have the whole family on board. Um, so you know. You know, all the children must be on board as well as, as well as you, the grandparents. That you know, every everybody around you needs to be on board with, with it. Um, and the pro the process isn't as long as you, you know, you might think to actually get approved. Um, it's not quite as scary as we thought it was going to be. Um, and you know, um, and 
might be that you know you, you're actually not in any any way able to foster, um, but there might be something around fostering that you could do. Um, so to support someone else that's fostering or um, or going to adopt, um, and and like I mentioned earlier, there's quite a lot of different. Um, things that you can do within fostering. So, you know, there's long-term fostering, but there's also short-term. There's also, um, some people just do respite, so they just have a child for a few days or a few weeks. Um, um, some people do emergency um, care, um, you know, which might just be a night. Um, so there's, there's lots of different, different things you can do and lots of different ages as well. Um, and that they're always asking for more foster carers because if a child is placed, that place is gone. So they need another one for the next child. So uh, there's always more. Could I maybe ask you, maybe just as we end, is that, is that, I'd love Paul and Liz just to pray for us. Is that all right? Would you like Paul and Liz to pray for you? Yeah. Great. Andrew would. Good. <laughs> Well, the rest of us would like it too. Uh, can I encourage you? Let's stand together. And I just want to encourage you in this moment to just ask God. It might not necessarily be fostering. Okay, this is just one small example. But just ask God. God, give me your heart for the poor. Give me a chunk of what Paul and Liz have. Does that sound like a good prayer? So maybe why don't you stretch out your hands and say, Lord, come and fill me now. And Paul and Liz are just going to pray for us. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for, um, for yourself and thank you for who you are and thank you for the fact that you, you love us so much. Um, whatever we're like, whatever we do, you love us. And um, I want to thank you, Lord, that you, um, you love us all as individuals. You know our hearts, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you would show, show us as individuals your heart for the poor, um, for the vulnerable, for those that um, you want us to reach, Lord, you want us to care for, um, and I, I just pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Father God, just thank you that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Thank you that you are in control of all things. And Father, in this world where there is so much difficulty, so many people who cannot answer for themselves. I just pray, Father, that as we've already been prayed, that you prayed that you'll just give us a piece of your heart, each one of us, that we may feel, just feel the love you have for the underprivileged. So, Father, I just thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. And Lord, just as we depart today, that we may really think about you, your love, and that love for others. Amen. Amen. Can we thank Paul and Liz? was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. Let's just lift our hands again. Holy Spirit, come and impart something of your heart for the poor right now, we pray. For the vulnerable and those without a voice, Lord God, give us your heart. For those who have nothing physically, God, give us your heart. For those, Lord, in spiritual poverty, oh God, give us your heart. I just pray, Holy Spirit, over this room, 
Just come, Lord. Come and move in each and every heart right now in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord God, that we would be known as a church with a heart for the poor. Known as a church that loves and cares for the poor. Lord, not for our own reputation, but for your glory. Lord Jesus, that you would be known in this town as the God who cares for the poor. The God who cares for the broken and vulnerable and needy. Oh God, we pray, come and change us, Lord. Thank you for those, Lord, who are are leading the way in this, Lord God. Thank you for people like Paul and Liz and uh, others, Lord God, in lots and lots of different ways, Lord God, who are leading the way in this. But God, we pray that we would do this as a whole church, Lord God. That we would have and share your heart for the poor, Lord, in this town and the villages around us, Lord God. Oh Lord, we pray. Send us out from this place, Lord God, full of your spirit, full of boldness, not afraid of the poor, but full of boldness to care for and love the poor, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. We're going to finish there. Can I encourage you, if you're here this morning and you just feel, I just feel God's doing something in me, not to leave this place without asking someone to pray for you. Maybe you want to come down the front. We'd love to pray for you. Maybe you just want to turn to someone next to you and say, can you just pray for me? Maybe you don't even know what God's doing. I, just throughout some part of this week, I've felt like God's doing something in me, and I've not been able to even explain it or express it fully to Jules. I've just known God's doing something in me. But don't let this morning pass without encountering God more and knowing more of his heart. Friends, God bless you. God be with you in all that you do this week. So grateful to be on mission together with you, and I uh, hope you have a fantastic week, and uh, we'll see you soon. refreshments are going to be served out in the cafe area if you're a guest or visitor we would love to get to know you more and uh, so head out that way and we'll chat to you out there